As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told. So I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. It is your Monday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. It's Ian Metis, Hilly Salvian, back together again and back to recap the Stanley Cup final after Colorado secures a Stanley Cup championship Sunday night. We'll talk about all the storylines coming out of that one. Nazem Kadri, Kale McCarr, uh, is this the end of the road for Tampa? Uh, it's a big day in hockey, too, on this Monday. Uh, hockey Hall of Fame announcement is going to be coming down later. We'll chat a little bit about that. Um, you know, we, we got a lot to get into. On this show, but Haley, I gotta say, out of transparency, uh, because I did write about this, so I feel like okay, now I can share, and I, I won't overshare. Don't worry, I won't overshare. But the reason why I wasn't with you last week in the Monday Time slot, I was sidelined uh, with kidney stones, and I gotta tell you, this is the most painful thing I think I can ever go. Like I can't even describe the pain to you. I don't know what the the most painful thing that you've ever had happened to you. Like I think you broke. What did you break? Your foot at one point or toe? <laughs> my or? baby toe. Yeah, <laughs> it sucked. Yeah, is that Probably the worst? Is that the, the most same. pain you've? Is that the most pain you've ever had? Um, I had some knee. Pro- I had knee injuries when I like I ran cross country and track when I yeah. was in university, and I had some knee problems. But I don't. I didn't ever. I didn't actually ever tear anything fully so i never had that full injury experience just the you know yeah. terrible knee pain every time you run 
Just yeah. a nice dull ache that never goes away. Oh, I would gladly <laughs> take a nice dull ache that never goes yeah. away. Because this thing is like, it's almost like if somebody takes an ice pick and stabs you in the back. Oh. That's the only way I can describe this feeling. It's awful. Ooh. And I, I don't know that I'm out of the woods yet, I, I, but I would love to, if any of our listeners have dealt with this before, my goodness gracious, please reach out to me with whatever tips you had to either pass the stones, manage the pain. I'm open. <laughs> like I'm, I'm into anything at this stage of the game. Like I'm into that. Please help. If it's weird, holistic. I don't care what it is. I'm in. I'm in. Get some sage, burn it in your house. Yeah. You need to cleanse whoever you pissed off. Did Seriously? This to you. Yeah. Do like, you think there's a voodoo? Maybe there might be a voodoo doll of me out there that's just being. Someone's a, actually just shreds. stabbing you in the back, and a yeah. voodoo doll actually is what's happening. Well, because this is coming right off the heels of I uh, I was playing softball this year. I, I was like, you know what? I need to get back into you know playing some sport. So I play softball. My first game, Haley, torn hamstring. <laughs> <laughs> this is not. This has just been a terrible reminder that I'm in my 40s now. This whole, yeah, I was gonna say like, what did stuff. you? Was it like a pre? Like, were you stretching, <laughs> or were you running the bases? No, I was like r- wow. rounding third, <laughs> rounding third, headed for home. Were you just running and then went? Oh, oh. Yeah. Started totally. <laughs> I, I didn't make that. I ran noise. too hard. <laughs> yeah, I did. I, I planted <laughs> anyway. So this has not been a great stretch for me. That's tough. physically speaking. Physically speaking, but I will gut it, gut it out to do. Uh, the, uh, you know what? And it's, it's a perfect place to lead off because when you listen to and I, uh, Peter Baugh's coverage and Joe Smith's coverage has just been dynamite yeah. to throw out the Stanley Cup playoffs. But watching them, their coverage and reading about, you know, Nazem Kadri, let's start there, had an injury, Haley, that uh, he said after winning on Sunday should have been a six week recovery. Mm-hmm. He was back in under two weeks to play. Um, yeah, you he broke want, his thumb so in multiple gr- places. Like it wasn't yeah. just like a, it was like a, multiple kind of issue up and around there for him. You know, everybody kind of reveals their injuries. It's remarkable. But, I mean, let's start there because I think the Nazem Kadri vindication story might be as interesting of a a storyline as anything that came out of the Stanley Cup for the the Colorado Avalanche. That Mm post-game interview uh, where he makes the (laughs) call, he straight up addresses the fact that people think he's been a problem. You can kiss my ass. Kiss my ass. For people who think I've been... Yeah. I think so. Well, he, Nazem Kadri said it on TV. How can we not yeah, say it? We're here? fine. Yep. We're fine. Kiss my ass. Oh, that was I, awesome. I, 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 it, was, I, it was great. I think I saw a PJ Stock post about it. He was my co host when we did the Olympic show. Obviously, PJ played. He played for the Bruins. Um, and PJ posted something like every player at some point in their career has felt this at some point. Like to the people who doubted me, to the people who hate me, like you can kiss my but um, it almost sounds weird when you say, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. and he was like, but you don't really get that many opportunities to actually say that. And he was like, winning the Stanley cup is the time to let that out <laughs> and finally air that out there into the world. Like winning the Stanley cup is the platform that you take to tell everyone who's doubted you to kiss my ass. It's 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 really remarkable though because uh, you know what he went through in that St. Louis series with the kind of the racial hmm. taunts that were directed at him. He responds with a hat Horrible. trick 
Um, he gets that injury in the in the Edmonton series, hit from behind by Evander Kane. We think, well, that's it for him. Comes back, scores the overtime winner, and I, I get it. I understand that that overtime winner was cloaked in a little bit of controversy with the too many men, whatever, yeah. whatever. Okay, whatever. Just that's un- not his just fault. over two weeks after having surgery on his thumb. Yeah, like sixteen days or something. Like it was wild. Yeah, it's it's one of the great stories. Yeah, and after what happened in Toronto, too, I know there's some Leafs fans who are always going to root for Nazem Kadri, and there's some Leafs fans who are never going to forgive him for the suspensions and, and for the things that happened with the Leafs. But, you know, Peter did a really great story, and I know he traveled to London and spent some time with Nazem's family, um, you know, met the parents and talked to, to his, his wife and, and everyone for this story. Like, that trade hit him very, very hard because he was somebody who grew up wanting to – play in the league and, you know, wanting to play for the Maple Leafs and then everything went down the way it did. And I think being traded from the, that team like really hurt him. And I think it took him some time to just recover from that fact. Like that's the thing, like these are people, right? And I think we forget that so often, like this was a person being uprooted from everything that he knew. Um, and then even more so, this is a person who's being racially taunted in one of the biggest moments of his life. I mean, that doesn't even matter. Just the racial taunting in any environment is is horrible. And, like, Nazem Qadri's been through a lot. <laughs> and I think you saw that in his celebration. Like, you saw how much he'd been through and the relief when he's lifting the cup over his shoulders and how happy this person looks to finally get through all that shit that has been thrown at him. And finally reach the peak. Like that was, I thought that was a really special moment. And then um, seeing him, I think there was a picture of him with his dad out there. Yeah. Um, like he was someone for sure that it was like, yeah, this is awesome. Like that's always my favorite moment of the Stanley Cup Finals is when you see everyone getting the cup yeah. and everyone has their moment. And then you see their families and the post game. Kyle Bukowskis did an amazing job on the broadcast with post game interviews. He had me tearing up a bunch of times, but I thought. Kadri's celebration specifically and his interview were real, real highlights um, of the post-game celebration for sure. You, you know what? You mentioned Pete, and Peter did a fantastic story on Nazem uh, and kind of yeah. his journey. And it was Peter's story, if I'm not, correct me if I'm wrong on this. I, I always thought this was weird. Tell me if this was weird. That when the day that Nazem Kadri got traded from Toronto, Kyle Dubas phones him and says, You've been traded. Kadri's at home with his family. And he doesn't tell his family what happens. He walks into the bedroom, closes the door, and posts on Instagram that he's been traded, then comes out and tells his wife, right? Yeah, I think that, that was how, probably... But isn't that weird? The way I see it is he probably needed to deal with that in the immediate aftermath by himself. And then his like first priority, because he grew up, he, you know, London, you know, that's not, quite, that's not GTA, but... Um, yeah. Yeah, like growing up outside of Toronto, dreaming of playing there, going through, um, finally making it, everything that happened. Like, he probably felt a sense of, like, I need to say something to the fans now. But but before your wife? Like, I just feel like it was – like, if I got something like that seismic happened in my career and I got a phone call and I told my wife, just hang on a second, I'll be right back. And then I went and posted on social media, then told her, I feel like it might be a little awkward. But that's just me. You think but she didn't know what the call was about, though? I don't know. That, like but, Kyle the, Dubas the, call. Kyle Dubas calls, and then he like yeah. walks into the room, and he needs to be alone. Like that was probably the thing. Like he probably I, went I to guess. be alone. 
I don't know the exact timeline, but for me, it's like, you know, he probably needed to process that by himself and decided I'm going to say something like, I don't know, maybe he did tell her. I don't know. I don't, I don't remember. Know, but, the, but, I don't think we got the precise timeline of events there, yeah, but yeah, you can kind but of I, wrap I, your head around it because of how much playing for the Leafs meant to him and how much the fan base and the organization meant to him. Like you can kind oh, yeah. of understand in his head saying like, I have to do this and say something to them as soon as possible. Um, and I'm sure that was hard. That was probably something when he was dealing with the fact that he was traded, like those were probably the things that came to mind is I've loved being a Maple Leaf. I've loved playing for you. I've loved all of this. I don't know. Yeah. No, it's, you know what? And I hope that this obliterates the narrative of you can't win with that guy. Like, you know, like for years, it's like, well, you can't win with Nazem Kadri. Or for years, it was you can't win with Ovechkin or you can't win with whatever. Like, and I hope, and I know there's people out there, and I'm just going to pick another random guy here, like Jack Eichel. You're going to hear people Mm -hmm. say, you can't win with Jack Eichel. Yeah, you can. You can win with anybody if you surround them with a really good team. Like, that that has to be the takeaway here is that, that, that I hope people understand you can win with Nazem Kadri. You can win with these types of guys. And, and if you're at Toronto, don't you look at this and think to yourself, Kadri, Hyman, Zach, um, and Connor Brown, Zach Hyman, Connor Brown, Nazem Kadri. We under our umbrella at one point, And those are exactly like, that's exactly the type of player mm-hmm. we're probably missing at this stage of the game. Right? Like they, that, that was their window. Yeah. I think was to win when they had all of those guys under reasonable contracts. No, I don't, I don't agree because Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner and William Nylander were yeah. younger yeah, at fair, that fair, point. Fair like enough. they weren't the like that's not Rocket Richard Hart Trophy Austin Matthews. Austin Matthews was still great, but that's not hundred point Mitch Marner, sixty goal Austin Matthews at that point in the Leafs timeline. Like when they were losing, it was like almost still sucked for Leafs fans, but like, you know, think of that Boston Bruins series that it was, it was four one. Like, I don't think you can look back on that and say like, Oh, you biffed it because you had Kadri and Connor Brown. Like, no, the Bruins were the better team. The Leafs, they were like 23, 22. My God, not even like how old is Austin Matthews now? Like these guys are still young. Right. So like, we're talking about a core of 19, 20 year olds like that, that wasn't going to happen. <laughs> you can look back and still say it's annoying, especially within the context of everything's happened over the last five, six years. But I don't think you can look back and say like you ruined your window of contention because you didn't win with Nazem Kadri. I think both things can be true. I think you can say that Kadri, that you can win with Nazem Kadri, while also acknowledging that the Leafs probably needed to do what they needed to do. <laughs> like I think there was a trust loss there, yeah. and I don't think that's something that you can easily get back, right? And that was the one thing with Kadri and Jared Bednar and he goes into the avalanche and he gets suspended that one year. And, you know, they kind of, they gave him that other shot and they showed the trust in him and they just, you know, always made him feel comfortable and not like he was this issue that they needed to contain. And I don't know if he would have been able to achieve that at that point after everything that would have, that had happened in Toronto. So you can win with Kadri, but I also think we can acknowledge that the Leafs probably needed to do that when they did because of the trust factor. And there was the, the Mitch Marner, Mike Babcock thing that happened too. Kadri was yeah. like, right. Like what, what did that do with the trust factor there? You know, we know that 
Kadri was one of the ones who was on that piece of paper that was used in that whatever mind game trick that Mike Babcock was was trying to play too. So I just think it was probably hard for him to see at the time, but obviously the the change of scenery was excellent for his career, both individually because of the season he had. He's going to get paid this summer and also from a team perspective because he just won a Stanley Cup. Well, he's going to get paid. and I think he's really enhanced his value, right? Because not only did he have a magnificent offensive season where he averaged more than a point a game, he then for the most part, was essentially... I I know Jordan Bennington and St. Louis fans might disagree, but he was uh, very disciplined for the most part in the Stanley Cup playoffs, didn't Mm -hmm. didn't cross the line, and and certainly played a a big factor, even though he was banged up and his team winning. I just wonder, like, you know, what what does his deal look like? Uh, Do you pay him like he's a 75 or 85 95 point guy do you think he's more that was just a just happened to be on a powerhouse team he's probably mm-hmm. more like a 60 point guy like and I, I just don't i'm really fascinated about what his deal might look like because like okay i guess let me phrase it this way after seeing him do what he did this year in denver do you think he could be somebody's legitimate number one centerman or is he just better served as you're perfectly slotted in the two spots I think that if Nazem Kadri is your second line center, you're going to be a very, very good hockey team. You know, like that's the ideal to see behind your like elite superstar level first line center. I think like, I, I, I don't know. I mean, he's still pretty, he's not even that old. He's 31. So we're not talking about like a 34 year old about to hit, um, UFA status. I mean, he's he's older than someone like Johnny Gaudreau, but he's younger than Evgeny Malkin. Like, like maybe that's a different way to look at it. Like, if you are a team who needs a centerman right now for the next four years, who are you giving more money to, Kadri or Malkin, right now? Malkin's thirty six. You know he's coming off of a knee injury. Kadri, isn't it? Don't you think for more money and more term, like Evgeny Malkin is going to go down as the better player. Like that's, that's a hall of fame career Evgeny Malkin and his con Smythes and his trophies, his Stanley cups. He's a, is he, he's a thousand point player at this point over his career. Is he? Is that just Crosby and Ovechkin right now? And Malkin's a little bit behind. No, I, I, yeah, Malkin's missed some games. I get, I'll look that up, but I think he's not, I, I think, I feel like he's at a thousand. No. I think we looked at this before, um, but I think if you're a team who says like we need a, a center right now, you might be giving more money to Kadri right now. Malkin's thirty five, and yeah, Malkin's he's an eleven hundred eleven hundred point guy to this point in his career. He's going to go down as the better player, hands down. That's not the conversation we're having. Yeah, thirty one year old Nazem Kadri who's healthy coming off of an excellent season, or 35-year-old. He's turning 36 this summer. So 36-year-old Evgeny Malkin, who's coming off of, you know, only playing a partial season due to Seasons, yeah. big knee surgery. And but, but the thing on Malkin, what's weird, like he was still better than a point. I know he only played half the games this year. <laughs> I know, that's the thing. We're like, a game mm-hmm. guy. He's Evgeny 42 Malkin, points he's, in 40. Yeah, he was I, great. You know what? I think... <laughs> Here's what I think happens. I think Malkin gets a higher cap hit. I think Kadri gets the longer term. Mm-hmm. 
right? I also just wonder if Malkin stays in Pittsburgh. I kind of hope he does. I want him to go somewhere weird like Nashville. Like, just uh, make it wh- weird. Uh. <laughs> like, just be like, or Anaheim. You're like, what? I guess. And just Columbus. Like, just some yeah. rando place where you're like, what is Evgeny? It's like when Sergei Fedorov went and played in those, like, Sergei Fedorov was in Columbus at one point. You're like, this guy, what is going on here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like a lot of the conversation was like Malkin to Dallas because they have Dal- so many Russian Dallas players, one, but they don't right? have any money. Yeah. Dallas is going to be very interesting this offseason, but. You know what? I think, yeah, that we're talking about Malkin. Like, oh, 35-year-old Malkin's still 20 goals, 42 points, and 40 yeah. games a season. Like, ho-hum. But that's the level that we've always – like, that's just relative to what we've seen from him as a player over his career. Like, he's an incredible, incredible center. But, like, that's almost kind of a thing. Like, Evgeny Malkin can be your 1C. Absolutely. I think Nazem Kadri could be your 1C. But if you have Kadri behind McKinnon and Malkin behind Crosby, that's like an elite one-two punch in your top six. And I think that's probably what your ideal situation is with someone like Kadri. I don't think he's going to be out of his depth as a first-line center, though we haven't exactly – I think it's tough because we haven't seen him in that space in a while, right? Like we're talking about a guy who we've seen in Denver. Um, He wasn't the first-line center in front of Austin Matthews. You know, Matthews was the guy. So it's kind of hard to to say, like, absolutely, he can do this. But to draw on Calgary, like, nobody who thought Elias Lindholm was going to be their 1C, right? So I don't know. But I think it's going to be interesting. I think this summer is really interesting in terms of the kind of players that we can talk about. Malkin and Kadri and Johnny Gaudreau. Like, there's so many interesting UFA forwards this summer. And they all kind of are a little bit different. Um, but we were talking about the cup final, but yeah, I don't know what he's going to make. I really don't know what Kadri's going to make on the open market. Yeah. I think it depends on the team specifically because there's not a lot of teams with a ton of cap space this summer um, that might also attract, that might be attractive to him. Like that's always the thing, right? You have to have that perfect package of cap space, you know, the plan to show that you're going to be good slash already good. <laughs> And that's not always easy. And we, we should never discount the fact that he finds a way to stay in Denver, right? Like, like maybe mm-hmm. uh, he loves it there so much and he won a cup there and he's willing to take less or they're willing to be creative. Like, we should always uh, assume yeah, that uh, staying, staying put is, uh, is, is a possibility. It's just, it feels like he could really cash in this summer and mm-hmm. someone's going to pay him a, a boatload of money and it's... It, it's uh, It's certainly certainly well-deserved. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. 
Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. We were really hyped up about this series. And, and I think a lot of us were hoping, especially when Steven Stamkos opened the scoring on Sunday night, I think we were all dreaming about a possibility of a, a seventh game back in Denver on, on Tuesday night. That, of course, didn't happen. And largely because I think Colorado, like, Haley, I know you were live blogging the game on, on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Like, that was downright clinical what mm-hmm. they did in the third period. It wasn't like, oh man, Colorado's hanging on by the fingertips and Darcy Kemper, like Darcy Kemper made one save that I thought was pretty good. And that was on uh, Nikita Kucherov on kind of a cross ice quasi one timer, but Kucherov didn't even get all of it on the shot. Like mm-hmm. to me, that was just downright like methodical and clinical. And, and, and it's what every mm-hmm. team should be doing when you've got a one goal lead in a game is do what the Avalanche did in the third period last night, which is put put the gas to the floor and go. And they completely locked it down defensively too. Yeah. I think one of the best things about the game last night and the series in general um, was how unpredictable everything was. I don't think – like I don't bet anyways, but I don't think I would have confidently put money on really anything at any point. Sure, I can say like, you know what, I think the Avs are going to take this one and win in six – but I wouldn't actually put my money where my mouth is because everything about this series was unpredictable. Who saw that seven nothing game or seven two and you know that OT game? Like who saw a lot of this stuff coming? Like it was there was so many twists and turns, and I really do think it lived up to the hype. I thought this was a great series. I thought this was the best Cup final we've had in a long time. And that might be recency bias talking, but I think I saw someone on Twitter say like. That was probably the most fun I've had in, in a cup final since yeah. the back-to-back Penguins, Red Wings years in like 08 and 09. Because those ones were awesome. Like those two cup finals were incredible. Um, but I think what the Avs did so well is the first period was quite even, even though they didn't start great. Tampa had a better start, obviously, drawing the penalty – they didn't even draw the – you can say draw the penalty or anyways. They end up on the power play less than 30 seconds in. They open the scoring at home and you think, okay, here we go. Tampa's going to gonna be able to to maybe start locking it down and maybe get one more and then completely shut it down. And then the Avs kind of weathered that first period, came back, and it was very easy, even in terms of ozone time, shot attempts, shots on goal, high danger chances. Like That was a very even period at even strength after that power play ended. And then I think the second period is when you started to see the abs really start to take over. It was like midway through the second, you could see the abs starting to take it up a notch and starting to have the puck more and starting to just cook in the ozone more. And that's when obviously McKinnon scored early in that period. But, you know, then they get what would become the game winner. And then (laughs) the third period was just a defensive clinic. Like really, really impressive. Tampa didn't have a shot on goal until ten thirteen in the third yep. period. Like that is not how you're going to come back in a season-ending, defining game, right? And but that's exactly how you're going to put a team away, like Tampa, because you can't let Kucherov have too many chances to tie it up. You can't let Stamkos have too many chances to tie it up. Um, and that's exactly what they did. It was like a clinical defensive game. And that's one of the things they do so well is they play D, but they also do it. Like they're a very 
good puck possession team as well. Like that's your best defense, right? Is keeping the puck in their zone. So by the time their guys get the puck back, they're so gassed that they have to just dump it in and get a change. And that's what the abs were doing to them for that third period. It was, it was very impressive. You know, one thing I noticed with Tampa on Sunday night is for the first time, and you didn't see it against Toronto uh, or the Rangers when their backs were against the wall, but you saw frustration, right? Like you saw Ryan mm-hmm. McDonough hitting, uh, who did he hit from behind now? Why am I blanking? Anyway, he, he, he buries the Avalanche player. Uh, yeah. Uh, Pat Maroon uh, is is slashing guys. Stamco yeah. shoots the puck at the the official. He's lucky he didn't get an extra two there. And yeah. then at the end of the game, what I thought, did you see this? There's so, the Kucherov thing? Yeah, with 25 seconds left. For the people who didn't see this, this was really weird. 25 seconds left in the game. The Avalanche dumped the puck down the ice. Victor Hedman goes to get it, and he kind of le- lays up because he's thinking it's going to be icing. Mm-hmm. And the ref- the linesman waves off the icing, and everyone's shocked. As this is happening, Nikita Kucherov is at the Tampa bench. His stick is broken. He's trying to get a new stick. For whatever reason, the training staff, no, nobody had a stick for him. And Kucherov is like, he threw a glove at him, right? Like he threw a he glove. He like threw his gloves off and went on the bench. Right. And yeah. it's like, you got 20 seconds left in your season. And your most talented offensive player is throwing his equipment off. Like, it was just, I had never seen Tampa get unglued. I know, but you can also look at it like, and not to glor- like not to say, like, absolutely have a temper tantrum. Like, do this. Yeah, it's your star player with 25 seconds left in the season, and he's throwing his gloves off. But it's also their best player standing on the ice without a stick, asking for one, asking for one, asking for one. Yeah, which is- Like, I can get it. Like, odd. where where is totally. his stick? Like, did everyone on the bench just say, like, it's done? You know, like, okay, well, I guess I'm just not going to have this ready. Like, I've talked to equipment staff before. Like, that is, I mean, that I remember talking to one of the Sens equipment guys. Um, Like, that's their art form. It's literally just (laughs) getting the stick out really quickly. We've seen equipment guys all the time get the assist, right? Sidney Crosby loses a stick. He's streaking down. Sticking down the boards and the equipment guy just puts a stick over and he grabs it and he goes and scores. We've seen that happen before with like Marner and 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 we see that. This was the complete opposite where it's like, where's the stick? Where's the stick? Where's the stick? Right. Just, I get he just was probably the heat of the moment in the game and was like, this is unbelievable. Like, where's my stuff? Not that did, throwing it, your stuff at a member of the training no, staff is no, ever no, okay. But- That's not what I mean, but – it was just weird. It was like, he's freaking out. Where's his equipment? Like, ugh, weird, weird things happening. <laughs> yeah. I, I Again, I think it was just a great illustration of how the seemingly unflappable Tampa Bay Lightning were suddenly just discombobulated in, in yeah, game like six. And, and that, that full, almost, yeah. full credit to the Avs because the Avs kind of drove them to it. So now then, then becomes the question. Look, I think we know even if they bring Kadri back or not, like it feels like the Avalanche should be a force to be reckoned with here uh, in the next couple of years. The question, though, is, is this the end of the road for Tampa? And I know Steven Stamkos was very pointed last uh, on Sunday night after speaking to reporters Peter Baugh and his, or sorry, Joe Smith in his column basically wrote, hey, Steven's like, why is everyone writing us off? But, you know, they've got some free agents here. Andre Palat, who's been a huge part of their team. He's UFA. Nick Paul, who is just a, a wonderful... Uh, fit in there he's a ufa and yan ruda who's played some big minutes for them mm-hmm. he's a ufa 
But, I mean, listen, Kucherov, Point, Stamkos, Sorelli, uh, Hedman, Sergachev, they're all coming back. Vasilevsky, they're all coming back. Mm -hmm. What are your expectations for Tampa now? Like, do you keep them at the top of the heap saying, yeah, you know what? They've been to three straight Stanley Cup finals until somebody dethrones them from the East. They're still the class of the East, or do we see enough holes in them along the way where Toronto had them on the ropes, the Rangers had them on the ropes, and then finally Colorado <clears throat> finished them off? I can see some holes now that they're 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 a little bit more vulnerable than they were in the past. Um, I don't know. I think you still have the best goalie in the game and Andre Vasilevsky. Um, so that's always gonna be what makes me think that they're gonna be fine. I think Stamkos had, you know, the best postseason season that we've seen him have in a long time. Like these Kutrov's still Kutrov, like he's not old. Like we're not watching him go off a cliff here. Um, I think Sorelli and Point are still young players who are continuing to get better within that system. You still have John Cooper as your coach. I think it kind of depends on what they can do with the very limited space that they have to replace the players that they're potentially going to lose, right? Um, yeah. But this isn't them losing Blake Coleman and Barkley Goudreau in the whole third line this summer, right? Like this is actually not that bad. Yeah, you're losing Victor Hedman's D partner. Um, but, you know, he's essentially taken cheap deals every single year with yeah. the Tampa Bay Lightning. So I don't put it past – Maybe he returns on another discount deal. Maybe he finally cashes in on the fact that he's been to three straight Stanley Cups and he's been Victor Hedman's D partner. There are teams who are going to pay for a player like that. Um, I wrote about, um, and we're talking about Ruta here, I, I put him as an option for the Calgary Flames because they need someone beside Oliver Shillington when Chris Tanev's potentially out. Um, I think I saw him on, you know, the Vancouver Canucks. So like maybe he could play with Quinn Hughes. Like there's going to be teams who are interested in his services. Same with Nick Paul. Um, same with Andre Palat. So, but th that's not losing that entire third line. That was arguably the best line in hockey when they won that. What was it? Their sec second cup? Their first cup? When did we all just fall in love with that Coleman Goudreau Gord line? The first cup. The first cup. The first one? Yeah. yeah. And then came the expansion they, well, they it lost. Uh, no, no, they, they, they had them for both those, right? And then... Yeah. I think they were very, very, very good, the second Stanley Cup. I mean, they were great in both. Anyways, I don't think it's as a direct hit. I think the Lightning... Are, all I'm trying to say is I think the Lightning, are, they're not going anywhere. Like, this is... they Their core is still there. They've got the goalie. they got the coach. they got the core pieces. I think if you just look at the East, too, like... And think of it too, like Braden Point, he got hurt in the Toronto game. Yeah. In game in, in seven against the Leafs, right? Game seven, yeah. They got through the Rangers without Braden Point. And if we believe he's like the future they, big one. They swept the President's Trophy winners without Braden Point. Think about that, right? They swept mm -hmm. Florida without well, Braden Point. That's the thing, right? So yeah. yeah, maybe we can say, are they going to have holes from what they did this year? But they look what they did this year without Braden Point. And with the injuries on that roster, John Cooper said that if it was the regular season, they would have had half of their American League roster up right now. Yeah. Last yeah. last night. So I don't think they're going anywhere because they're going to have point back and they're going to be healthy and et cetera, et cetera. And what team in the East is actually going to get that much better this summer? Everyone's capped out. <laughs> Who's going to be making like big, big steps 
to challenge the Tampa Bay Lightning. Toronto's already there. The Lightning, you know, we had Joe Smith on, and he said that was the hardest series they'd played. Um, the Rangers are going to be there. That's a great team. They had a good series against Tampa. I don't think Ottawa's going to be challenging. No, Flo- Florida Florida's going to be, probably be better. But Florida would be the te- Florida would be the team for me that if they make a couple of tweaks, although they made a massive coaching change that I, I, I don't, we'll see how well, that, that plays gonna, out. Yeah. So right? I don't know. It, it's always yeah. so hard to do that, do this right now. I just, the Tampa, oh, I, yeah. I tweeted that stupid quote from, you know, the, did you ever see Holes? The movie Holes? Did your kids ever watch that with Shia LaBeouf where they're, they're digging holes? No. They're like in, it's like juvie kid. They, all they do is dig holes in the heat. Okay, never mind. You wouldn't get it then. No, go ahead for the for the no, benefit I'm not of our listeners. Do... No, no, for the benefit of our listeners who have seen holes, you can't leave them hanging. Well, I'm not gonna do the like the. I'm not gonna like say the quote if you don't get it. And okay, I tweeted, I tweeted this stupid clip from Holes where it's a flashback to the little girl. She's like, "I'm tired of this, Grandpa." He's like, "Well, that's too damn bad." Like that's how I feel about the Tampa Bay Lightning being good every year. It's like, "I'm tired yeah. of this, Grandpa." And you're the Tampa Bay Lightning being like, well, that's too damn bad. See, there, I, I got the reference. And now the listeners who've watched Holes are like, yes, you nailed it. Yeah, just you did nailed a it. really bad kind of Southern accent. I think yeah. that's how they talk. Anyways, it was a very funny tweet. I thought it was funny. Yeah, I'll take, listen, I'll take your word for it. Take mm-hmm. your word for it. Okay, so listen, that, that was a really fun, like you said, it was a fun series uh, there was some certainly some some moments where the the tensions started to boil over, and I think that that was great because for our the benefit of our American audience, Haley, on Sunday uh, the table was set for that by a lot of people tuning in to watch ESPN's documentary on the Colorado Avalanche and Detroit Red Wings, great rivalry of the '90s and early 2000s. And first of all, you and I we live in Canada, we did not have access to this, so we need help from our listeners here, yeah. like. Give, give us a preview, like in the comment section, tweet at us. Let us know what your favorite part of that documentary was because uh, Twitter was a buzz on Sunday afternoon. People were like, wow, that was amazing. Best sports documentary I've ever seen. Great job capturing it. Like I'm super excited to see this, but I was really frustrated that like- I don't like, know what you guys are talking about. I, I, yeah, I, I don't know <laughs> when they're going to- I'm sure TSN will show it in Canada at some point, but yeah. man, that was frustrating to watch everybody- talking about something that you just have no access to. Yeah, I mean, it was weird. Uh, I know Sarah Sivian and I did the live blog last night, and she hopped in the live blog, and she's like, I am ready for a goalie fight. I just finished watching the ESPN doc, and, you know, I'm ready for goalie fights. I'm ready for some drama. And I was like, I don't I don't get the reference. So she was all amped up after watching it. She was a lot more excited for the game than I was because I had no idea what she was talking about. There's a lot of people who are kind of in their late 20s, early 30s that will credit the Detroit-Colorado rivalry for really getting them into the sport. Really, they fell in love with hockey at the same time that those two teams were meeting. And I know, like for you, I know you, like the Penguins, the Crosby Penguins were kind of your real first love of hockey, right? Or not? Um, yeah, yeah. I would say I think I like that's one of my like core memories in terms of really getting into the sport was the draft, like the 05 draft. Yeah. I was sitting in an Eastside Marios 
You were at Eastside Mario's? With my dad. We watched the draft with my mom and dad, my all-you-can-eat breadsticks. Did you have, mm-hmm. like, one of the things when you go to East and Eastside Mario's, <laughs> by the way, for our American uh, audience, is a Italian, what would be the equivalent? It's like discount Olive Garden. <laughs> yeah, there you go, Olive Garden. <laughs> exactly. I was like, How, what can we compare it to? Yeah, it is the Olive Garden. But mm-hmm. did you? were you one of those kids when you went to Eastside Mario's? That you would order, like, I want the Jolly Rancher drink with the cotton candy and, like, the crazy no, no, straw. No, 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 no. No, 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 you weren't no, allowed no. to have that. Shirley Temple. Shirley Put all Temple. this. I don't need the sides. Just give me, give me a the Shirley grenadine. Temple. Just yeah. give me my Shirley Temple with extra cherries, please. Oh, God. You have to have the merit. And, and the cherries Obvious, taste better yeah. when they're on those little plastic swords, too, right? Mm-hmm. Would you agree? It enhances the whole experience, The yeah. whole thing. Anyway, so you were at Eastside <laughs> Perios. Yes. Yes, I was at an Eastside Mario's. But wait, when you go, like, when you watch a draft at a restaurant, is the vo- the volume's not on at like at like Eastside Mario's this Olive was Garden? Two thousand and five. Yeah, remember if the volume was on? We were in the bar side. Yeah. Well, look at so you. So the volume was probably on because it was the the bar side and it was the draft and Sidney Crosby. So I remember that, but I also remember just going to games and stuff like this is always, and I talk about this all the time. I grew up in a small town and there was nothing to do in Fergus, Ontario. Like when we got a Walmart and a Target, it was a big deal for Fergus because there was Target. finally like- that, that Target, we didn't, we only had Targets we, in Canada for like six months. I know, but it was very awesome. Yeah. <laughs> but that's what I mean. Like there was nothing. Like we had the Zare, we had the Zellers- that turned in the Target and then we got a Walmart and that was the huge deal when the Walmart opened in like the south end of town. But anyways, because there was not much to do, my dad and I spent a lot of time just going to Rangers games at the odd or going to Guelph Storms games. Um, If we were in London, we'd go to London Knights games and it was this like prime time for like Canadian junior hockey, right? Because Landis yep. Gog was playing for the Rangers and Drew Doughty was playing for the Guelph Storm. John Tavares was playing for the Oshawa Generals. Um, London you know, had some Kadri, great teams there, right? Yeah. Yeah, like the London – Kadri wasn't on, on all those teams, but, you know, there was – I think Patrick Kane was on the Knights at one point. You had Kadri on the Knights. You had Corey Perry, like Rob Shrimp, like the 05 London Knights mm-hmm. – were a big deal. Um, and they obviously went to the Memorial Cup final against the Ramuski Oceanic, which was Sidney Crosby's team in the queue. So those were like the core memories, like watching Gabe Landeskog and the Rangers at the the odd. My dad and I, and that's what's so great, is being in the sport at this level now. And I'm at home at my parents' place in, in Ontario right now and watching these games with my dad, there's all these like you know, you'll watch the game and dad goes, do you remember watching like Gabe Landeskog when you were a kid? And there's all these like just like really nice full circle moments when you yeah. actually get to to this point working in the NHL. And then you get to share that with your dad almost. And it's just like, you know, he, you know, he took me to go and watch him when he was in junior and all that good stuff. So those were, so, that's kind of what it was for me was Canadian junior hockey. And then, yeah, then watching Crosby and then he gets drafted first overall and it's like, hey, <laughs> That's the guy who lost That's to London. That's the guy. That's not what I said. That's the guy who lost to Corey Perry. That's not what I said, but that's kind of where it was for me when I was like really, really hooked on the sport. I'm aging uh, myself maybe, but. No, you're aging me. You're <laughs> uh, by the way, uh, two things. One, again, we want to hear from our listeners 
uh, about that Avs Red Wings documentary because we didn't get a chance to see it. Tell us what you loved about it. We're and and if you know when it's airing in Canada too, or if there's maybe a sneaky way we can watch it, we'd love to hear that. Uh, the other thing is, you mentioned that you were at your parents' house doing this. Uh, podcast. You didn't need to tell us that, Haley, because you know when we knew, you know at what point in this podcast we knew that you were at your parents' house? We heard a when home I'm... phone ringing in the Uh-oh. background. We're like, nobody. I thought you were going to say when you, owns... my mom came in and brought me a coffee. No, 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 no. I it, didn't no, no, have the, this when we started recording. The viewers could not <laughs> see that, or but they could certainly hear the sound of a home phone ringing, and they're like, who is where there is a home phone? The answer is Haley. At her parents' I'm house. not even joking. It does not matter what time of day or what I'm doing. And this is like a running joke with Aaron. He, every time I'm on the phone with Aaron, one of our bosses, the home phone rings. And he's like, ah, I don't get it. It's the home phone again. Yeah, the home phone. It doesn't phone. matter who I'm on the phone with. It's just, I'll be on my cell phone. I'll be on a Zoom call and the home phone starts ringing every single time. At least once. Yeah. So yeah. We still have a landline. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIP. I think what's going to be really interesting, and and we want to point out that by the time a lot of you are listening to this podcast, there's a very good chance that the Hockey Hall of Fame has already announced its inductees for 2022. So we're not going to spend a lot of time, you know, it's going to be hard for us because, you know, somebody might get in and, um, you know, we're, we're, we're debating that. I just, first of all, and I'd, I'd love to see the Sadines. I think the Sadines are worthy of being in the Hall of Fame. I think Roberto Luongo is worthy of being in. Heck, I, and look, I, people know where I stand on Daniel Alfredson. I think he should be in there. Alex McGilney, Keith Kachuk, like the list goes on and on. What I would like to highlight though, Haley, what I really want to see from the Hockey Hall of Fame is I would love to see a little bit of transparency in this process. And I say that because I think like the year that Guy Carboneau got in a couple of years ago, like I, I had no idea that this guy was even on the radar. And <laughs> it would have been really helpful to know that you know what the year before, like E. Carbono just missed out. Like he had seventy-one percent of the vote. He needs seventy-five. That would have been helpful information. And I think that's what I'm really lacking here is some tangible information on how close is Rod Brindamore, how close is Daniel Alfredson, how close is 
uh, Mike Vernon and Tom Brasso. Like, these are all people that I think are deserving of being in the Hall of Fame, but mm. I have no idea. And I wish that there was a, an element of transparency. So I don't want to get into this thing where, you know, I think oftentimes what happens is when people get into the Hall of Fame, we start to nitpick them and we're like, well, this guy, like Rod Brindamore would be a great example. People say, oh, he shouldn't be in. He should be in. I think he should be mm -hmm. in. And I think Alex McGillney should be in and Keith Kachuk and Alfie and all, all, all these guys, Sedins. And, but yeah. I just the wish there was I mean, transparency here. Yeah. That's all. Is that too much to ask for? No, I don't think so. I think, um, and the reason guys like that aren't in though is because you get these first ballot guys coming up. And I remember doing this exercise when I was still on the Sens Beaks. We did the mock Hall of Fame committee, and I nominated Daniel Alfredson, and I tried to get him into our fake Hall of Fame. And everyone like was like, "It's the Hall of Very, it's the Hall of Fame, not the Hall of Very Good." And people were like, "No, no, 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 no." I got zero traction on it. So then I didn't end up voting for Daniel Alfredson, who was my own nominee. So I was like, "You only get four votes, or what? You get five votes, four votes." On your ballot, and I'm not going to waste it on someone who everyone just openly pushed back on. And I think it was a very eye-opening part of the process is it's just like there that was just our little work committee. But I think, you know, it's not hard to imagine that that's what Alfredson's been facing in the real Hall of Fame. Why he hasn't been into this point is that there's been people in the committee saying, no, 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 like he's not good enough. And then, you know, if you you lose the guy that you're really fighting for. You have to you have to pivot to get someone into the Hall of Fame, right? That's how it works. Everyone, if you don't get a certain amount of votes in the first round, you just get cut. So that's always difficult, but it would be interesting to see that in a really transparent way, like who who's voting for who. Um, I think more specifically when it comes to women, I think that's very important. I think it'd be very interesting to see if it's just Cassie Campbell-Pascal nominating women every year and yeah. vouching for them every year. Um, because just for the record, two women can get in every year. <laughs> and two women don't always get in. Usually it's just one. Because it's not somebody who's really vouching for them, like who is really, right? And I think that's been the frustrating yeah. part is there's been way more women with Hall of Fame credentials who have not gotten into the Hall of Fame yet. If Jen bought, like, so to me, Carolyn Ouellette is a, should be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Amazing, amazing career. And this she's is her finally first year, eligible. Right? Yeah. And she's probably going to get in this year. If Jen Botterill or Natalie Darwitz or someone else does not get in with her, I think that's a really it's a it's a shame because it's, there's women who've been waiting to get in who deserve it, but Carolyn Ouellette should be in like right away. Car Carolyn Ouellette, like you said, first year nominee. So is uh, Megan Dugan, right? Is first year eligible? Um I Does believe she, so. Yeah, I think this is her first one, and um, you know she captained uh, that American team to a to a gold medal. Like, like, like yeah. you're right though. Like, but that's the thing, and that's why it turns into this argument. Totally. Megan is an amazing hockey player, and her reach in the sport is going to be greater than just her playing career. She's already gotten a promotion, and in, in the the role she's currently in, she's gonna, you know, she's someone who wants to be involved in the NHL at a high level. And I think she's going to do it because she's an incredible player. She knows the game. She's very smart. But like Jen Botterill was, she won her first gold medal or she, she went to her first Olympics before she even started college. Like right. <laughs> she is not recognized as the all-time leading scorer in the NCAA because they didn't start taking the record books for right. women's hockey until Jen's third year. 
but unofficially she is the highest scoring collegiate hockey player in history. She's not officially because they didn't start counting her stats until like 2001. But if you actually look at how much she did when she was playing in college, I mean, she's one of the best players to, to play. And then she had this career arc of being, you know, the young, the young kid who made the team who nobody really knew. She's 18 years old and she, she has success there. And then she's an integral part of the team. She's a very important piece of the team in that middle section. And then in 2010, she's on her way out. She's on the fourth line. And guess who's next to her is Mary Philippe Poulin. Yeah. And they win in 2010. And she makes, and she literally passed the puck to Poulin for the game winning goal in 2010. So to me, I just think Jen Botterill deserves to be in the Hockey Hall of Fame. But this is the problem. It's not just Jen. It's Carolyn Ouellette. It's Megan Duggan. It's European players who've been retired for years that nobody talks about because they lose to Team Canada in the quarterfinals. Like there are so many fantastic like women's hockey players with Hall of Fame credentials that people don't talk about because they only get two and usually only one goes in and it's and it's just a shame. But anyways, I do think Alfie deserves to go to the Hall of Fame. I agree. Uh, Alfie so, deserves we'll and it's a long list. And that's the point I want to make too is that uh, if he doesn't get in today or if Keith Kachuk doesn't get in today or if you know you want to say it's Patrick Eliash, like whoever it is that you're championing and they don't get in today, the door will remain open. It's not an open and shut thing where within you know a year or two, they don't have a chance. They have a chance. And mm-hmm. there are some really strong first-year candidates this year, the Sedins, Roberto Luongo. Hank Zetterberg. So it's going to be interesting. All I'm saying is let's just get a little bit of transparency here. I think it would uh, it would certainly help the process and allow us just a, an insight to know, you know, how close is this guy or, 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 or girl to, to making the Hall of Fame? Or are they, are we just, you know, barking up the wrong tree, so to speak, when we're writing these passionate uh, columns on, this is why Daniel Alfredson should be in and then he's getting like 8% of the vote. Well, you know, maybe uh, maybe we're wasting our time. So we'll see how this all plays out on on Monday, and I'm I'm sure it will uh, it will uh, cause a lot of debate uh, amongst uh, amongst hockey fans. All right, let us wrap up the show, Haley, like we always do on a Monday, with a little multiple choice madness, where we just kind of sink our teeth into some fun questions. So let's start with this. We have a fictitious NHL team that we're starting. Okay, and I'm giving you a chance, Haley. To start your team, you only get to choose one of these guys, and this is how you start your franchise. You're starting today. You get your choice of these three guys. Who are you taking? A, Connor McDavid. B, Kale McCarr. C, Andre Vasilevsky. Who are you taking? You're starting your team today. From scratch, you only get one of them, and the rest of them will probably be filled out with some expansion type of thing. Who are you taking? Mm -hmm. McDavid, McCarr, Vasilevsky. I'm not good at this. Um, I feel like you'd go McDavid. But like recency bias would – oh, this sucks. I don't like this question. That's why I like McDavid the question. McDavid is the best player in the world. Then best player him. in the world. But that has not been enough <laughs> because their defense isn't good and their goaltending's not good. But guess who the other two options are? One of the best goalies in the world and the best defenseman in the world. So now I'm very – like it would be uh, – because who was it that um, – it was Gabe Landeskog. They asked how to team – this is a copycat league. How do people do what you guys did? And he goes, draft Kale McCarr. <laughs> so now I'm like, mm, mm, Kale McCarr. But then I'll, 
Andre Vasilevsky has always been the piece that makes you think that the Tampa Bay Lightning are going to be okay. But just good goaltending can't get you that far. You've got to get run support. Because Ilya Sorokin is like the probably the best goal in the league that nobody talked about this year. He was awesome, but the Islanders weren't good. <sighs> hmm. Would you like to go first? Like my gut says Connor McDavid, but a part of me wants to say Kale McCarr because of what we just watched last night. Like Connor McDavid's the best player in the league, but Kale McCarr is the best defenseman in the league, and he just won the Norris, the Conn Smythe, and the Stanley Cup. Two of those trophies. Well, three of those McDavid doesn't have, but one of them he can't because he's not a defenseman. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know, Ian. I don't. <laughs> it's, what do you is, think? So, so, so this shows you it's a good question <laughs> because if you're debating yeah. amongst McDavid, McCarr, Vasilevsky, look, and again, I don't think there's a wrong answer. I do not think there's a wrong answer. I would go Vasilevsky myself because like am I I'm GM a, of this team so like I can get myself a good goalie and not Mike Smith? You are the GM. You can do whatever you want, but you only get to choose one of these guys as the backbone of your team. See, I'm going Vasilevsky because I'm a believer in you start from the net out. Like, so if I was starting a team, I want to be competitive and I want to have an idea of winning a cup. I think you got to have a goalie. Vasilevsky's young enough where I feel like he's still got seven or eight really good years left in him. He is still for my money, even though he didn't win the Stanley Cup this year. I think he's the best clutch goaltender in the last, uh, you know, X number of years. Um, I would go with him, but I, I, I don't think there's a wrong answer. If you want to go McCarr, go McCarr. You want to go McDavid, go McDavid. But I would probably lean towards the guy that's going to be on the ice the most amount of time. And even yeah. though he plays 60 games, he's on the ice. So I would go Andre Vasilevsky. But that's but what just if. Me. What if no one else can score? We're right. not going to win 0-0. Zero, zero. But, but just like, McDavid, what if you have McDavid, but you don't have goaltending? Or what if you have McCarr? That's you don't what have, I said. That's why I'm yeah. like afraid to pick David because we've seen what happens when you have Connor McDavid, but you don't have goaltending. I think I'm just not going to answer this one. <laughs> She's taking a knee. She's taking a knee, folks. Look, my gut says it's McDavid because he's then the best That's your the answer, McDavid. There's no yeah, wrong answer. Yeah, but I'm answer. not going to be happy about it. Okay, well then you're not going to like this last question <laughs> in multiple choice matters because this comes off the heels of the Avalanche Red Wings rivalry documentary that aired on the weekend, which we still haven't seen, but we know that Eiserman and Sackick are central figures in that. Now, Joe Sackick, general manager of the Colorado Avalanche, who just won the Stanley Cup, Steve Eiserman, architect of a couple of gold medal winning teams for, uh, for Canada, put together the Lightning team, is in charge of Detroit. Here's the question, Haley. Who's the better general manager? Joe Sackick or Steve Eiserman? Uh, <laughs> I told you. Can you hear me scratching my head on mic? Yeah. Okay, ASMR. Um, <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> Apologize. Um, who's the better general manager, Joe Sackett or Steve Eiserman? I can't answer that without seeing how the Red Wings turn out. You know, because I think if he not only created the roster that ended up winning, obviously Julian Breezebaugh did some excellent work at these trade deadlines. Like he's the GM who's taken over the finish line, but we know that Iserman is the architect of a lot of what happened in Tampa, right? We can agree on that. Yeah, I think so. He, right? the, the foundation was certainly laid was by there him. by him. Obviously, you mentioned national teams. 
but I feel like I need to know what happens with the Red Wings. Yeah. First. I think it's I think Iserman probably has the the pedigree for most people to say it's Steve Iserman, even though he isn't complete with the Red Wings, right? Like cause it's you know it every day, every time it's the deadline or the drafts like Steve Eisenman's gonna do something. Like Steve Eisenman's always gonna do something that works out. And I think we see that process in Detroit right now. And there's a lot of promising things happening there. But I would like to see the next how the next couple of years go before I can say because if that works out and we see two teams that he's crafted have success, then it's Without doubt, there's no debate. It's Steve Eisman. But I think Joe okay. Sackick's done a nice job here, too. It's probably Steve. I'm probably going to go with Steve Eisman, honestly. Yeah, I, okay, so then, okay, here's a side question. If you're a general manager. These are stupid. W- would you rather. <laughs> this is now turned into a would you rather. Uh, would you rather win it? Would you rather be the general manager who put together a Stanley Cup championship or a gold medal at the Olympics? Like you were the architect. Which is the one that you would prefer to like be the the master of putting together an Olympic gold medal team or a Stanley Cup team? I feel like hockey's so different. It depends on your country and stuff too, right? Like, yeah, I know it's it's really hard because I know, say in like soccer, football, you win the World Cup, you're the champions of the world. If you win Champions League, that's great too. Like, that's probably the same thing, but you know, a lot of these players they win a World Cup and And that's like, the ultimate. That's the ultimate. Yeah. Like the World Cup is the thing. Obviously winning the Champions League is is great, but those are sometimes you're against super teams, et cetera, et cetera. But you know, I know when France won the World Cup a couple years ago, the last World Cup, like that was the team I was cheering for and that was a huge deal. Like they're the oh, that's the dog. That's also how you know that I'm at my mom and dad's is there's this little Floofy, yappy dog named Penny. Wait, where's Bono right now? He's sleeping like a good boy. Okay. He's having a nap. Um, but no, I don't know. I think I think that's probably, the, to go back to your original question, would you rather, I feel like it's different in hockey. Like the Olympics aren't the only thing they have, you know? But I think you saw how disappointed it was for the players to not go and how important it is for the players to go. It makes you wonder the way that they value the Olympics. I don't know if they would say that I would rather do one or the other though. I, I, I honestly don't know how to answer that one. This is, this is, like, I this think is that's a great way to end this. I no, I think that's something that you have to each. ask like you a GM a though. No, how like you punch it on each of them. I've never heard anybody like put that up against the other. Like, I don't think they would even answer that question. We go, I'm going to win both. <laughs> like, what do you think? You haven't answered. I think I want to. I would want to create a an Olympic gold medal team because it would be best on best, and I, then I would have the ability. But it's not to manipulate the same, a best though. on best roster, right? But you're that, not. I think a GM winning a. You know what? I think a GM winning a Stanley Cup is more impressive than the GM winning an Olympic gold medal. Because if you're Canada, oh, oh, you pick Crosby. Well, great. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. No, I'm. But, you know, it's not the same. It's not the same as making big moves and having to utilize your cap space and manipulate a championship roster against other teams with all the best players in the world. 
you're the GM of Team Canada and you're See? laughing. So there we go. Plucking. I smoked you Let out. Me just, yeah, there I we go. I smoked you out and there's your answer. <laughs> it's the Stanley Cup. I was, you confused me. No, I wasn't sure. Yeah. I was just thinking there of it go. in terms of like, if you're Steve Eiserman, are you proud of your gold medal or that you GM'd? Or are you proud of what you did in Tampa? But it's like, it's more impressive to me for a GM so, to win a Stanley Cup. There we go. See? Finally, got an answer for you. And uh, I want to say one more thing mm-hmm. about these multiple choice questions. They weren't yeah. nice. I'm going to tweet that one, actually, the Vasilevsky, McCarr, McDavid yeah, one. Put, put it as a poll. Put it out yeah. as a poll and give the three I options. Yeah, I think it's going to really be, you know what? I suspect just based on recency bias, Kale McCarr is going to win this poll. And yeah, I you know want to go out. with him. Like, I want to go with McCarr, yeah. but it's also like, <sighs> It's there's really no wrong good. answer. I don't think there's a wrong yeah. answer to that. But yeah, put that out in a poll. And and uh, I think it's going to be roughly f- almost 50% Makar and then a mm-hmm. split between McDavid and, and Vasilevsky and the other two. Like yeah, the other we'll 50%. see. But that's, that's the thing. It's like it's the recency bias. We just watched Kale Makar in the last five days win three major, major trophies. and We look forward to Toronto fans Where's Austin Matthews in the, or Do no, even know? better, where's Michael Bunting? <laughs> oh my God. Ian, I got so many Oilers fans being like, why is Dreisaitl not on your all-star team? It's like, I don't know. Why didn't you ask the 300 other people who didn't vote him for the all-star team? Cause he didn't make the all-star team. It was hard. Like this, this honestly, this year's voting and I've only it voted a couple times. It was really hard because I feel like there was like six or seven legitimate candidates for the major this awards, a, this was in a particular the Hart Trophy. This, this was yeah. a good year for hockey. It really yeah. was. But I had Johnny Gaudreau second on my heart ballot, and, and I was I could, open uh, about that. And because I was like, I think Matthews is going to win, then I wanted Gaudreau and Shesterkin to round out my top three. I ended up going with Gaudreau because I think I get stuck with the goalie heart thing. Like inherently a goalie is always going to be your most valuable player because if your goalie sucks, you're screwed. And if your goalie's good, you're golden, right? So, like, I was like, ah, uh, two might be a little high because if Shesterkin's that high, he should probably just be one anyways. Like, I was galaxy-braining the order a little bit. And then I had McDavid four, and people were legitimately upset with me. I was like, Johnny Gaudreau had the most five-on-five points in the National Hockey League this season. You're acting like I just picked some scrub off the flames and I'm a homer. I was like, I really like – I really like Michael Stone. Is that the same voice you used for the, uh, what was the movie that uh, you Holes. quoted earlier? Holes. It sounded, I don't know, it's the same. No, that not, was not, a different No accent, character. but the same, same pitch, no, the same pitch the, and tone was used. And this is the thing, though. We are transparent about the voting process for NHL awards, and it opens you up to some crap sometimes, because obviously people are going to wonder why and it's not crap i shouldn't even say that it opens you up to questions criticism if people don't believe that you had the right picks or whatever but i would rather it be like that than say like how the heck did this happen okay well i can go and look and see how it happened you know like i would rather that and i think that would be nice for the hockey hall of fame as well to say like how the hell did x player how the hell did jen botterill not get put in the hall of fame Okay, here's why tr- I can go and look. Transparent, yeah. Like, like, <laughs> I like, I, like I said, you were, you were, uh, you. We all took criticism for our ballots, 
but you're able to defend your selections. And that's all I'm asking for with the Hockey Ugh, Hall of Fame. Like I took just so much time on that freaking ballot this year. Oh the Norris. God. Yeah. I voted Yossi for Norris. I, I debated and Norris. And it took me forever because, and this is why, yeah. and I know we're running out of time. No, no. But I put Roman Yossi on my heart ballot. And I was like, I can't have him above Makar for MVP, but Makar above him for Norris. Even though they're different awards, but in my mind, I was like, no, that makes sense. It was, it was razor thin for me. And I thought that the fact that Yossi was by far the MVP for the team. Duchesne had a great season. Forsberg had a great season. But, like, Yossi was the MVP for the National Predators. He did something that nobody had done as a defenseman in a long time. And I thought that he was carrying around a lesser, relatively speaking, D yep. partner compared to Devon Taves. He's a very good hockey player, Devon Taves. So that was for me, it was like, mm, Yossi doesn't have as much beside him. Eh, and he's on my heart. I'm going to go with Yossi. It took me hours. It, it Totally. Like, like Frank Saravalli texted under- me like five times to be like, why isn't yeah. your ballot? And I was like, I'm finishing it. <laughs> like, I have five more minutes. Give yeah. me my four minutes. Like I have it in. It will be in time. I am agonizing over this. Just... It'll be there. I swear. Oh, I, I I wanted to see on Frank Saravelli's trade bait board number nine Haley Salvian's award ballot for next year. It's up. <laughs> it's up in the air. Yeah, she's done. She's yeah, stressed us all out. We're done. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Hey, speaking of being done, we should probably wrap this up. This was fun. Uh, the week flew by. Now we should point out uh, that you and I actually get. I think we get the week off next week, Haley, because fireworks uh, <laughs> emoji here. It's July fourth. <laughs> So, you know. That was one of the more weird, chaotic things I think that have happened when it's just you and I on the podcast. When Dom and Sean are here, it's just like, I don't know what's happening. I was talking about dirty toilet water and you missed it. It was very terrible. Anyways, I was doing the beatbox and you said fireworks emoji. (laughs) And I think yeah. that was really nice of us. It was, it was great the way we wrapped it up. But hey, listen, this this was a lot of fun, and we want to remind everybody uh, to uh, to follow us on your favorite podcast platform. Leave us a rating, a review. We appreciate that. Hey, and leave us your reviews of that Red Wings Avs rivalry too. We're just looking for any any information we can glean from that. We'd love to have it. Uh, subscribe to the Athletic Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts. We'll get all of our bonus content from our entire network. You'll start with a thirty day free trial, and then it's ninety nine cents a month after that. Right now, we got a great deal going on to subscribe with us at The Athletic. It's just a dollar a month for six months and you can sign up at theathletic.com slash hockey show.